Good to see each one again this morning. You have your Bibles turned to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're on just a short mini-series that we've entitled, Death, the End, or the Beginning. You know, and that's with a question mark. What is death, and what does death bring to us? You know, a question one, many wonder is, what happens when I die? You know, is it, is it at the end, the body just goes within the ground and it returns to the dust of which it was created? What is death? Now, again, as I mentioned last week, this is a topic that we don't like talking about, you know, but it's something that we all have in common. Each and every one of us, uh, barring the rapture of the church, is going to face that valley of the shadow of death. Each and every one of us here this morning is going to experience what we call death. Now, last week we saw that death is the go-between. The go-between between this present state of affliction that our bodies are always in and the glory of heaven. So what stands in the middle there is this thing that caused death. And without death, we'd never be able to receive that eternal body which God has promised to us. So if we want to accept that or you know, receive that eternal body that Jesus said he is promising to us, folks, we got to pass through this thing that is called death because without it, we'll never be able to receive that eternal body, that celestial body that Jesus Christ has promised to us. Now, last week we looked at three things in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. First of all, we saw that death is simply the removal of the spirit from the body that we lie, uh, now reside in. In other words, this old body that you see here in front of you is not who I am. The body you see here is not Gene Hazel. What is Gene Hazel is the spirit man, the soul that is within me. And while death is, is when, when God decides to take Gene out of this body that he resides in and brings him to heaven, then death occurs because the body just goes limp because life is in the spirit, life is in the soul, and once that is taken, the body is what we refer to as death. So the real uh, person is that spirit and body, uh, I mean that spirit and soul that resides in this tent, this tabernacle, this thing that we call an earthly body. So we must always remember that death is not the end of a bodily form in life, it is beginning of an eternal bodily form and life. Now the second thing we looked at is death is the end of fleshly body pain and suffering. Listen, when death happens, folks, there will be no more pain. There will be no more sorrow. There will be, you know, no, no cancer. There will be no heart problems. There will be none of these things that we all face many times in this physical body. In verse two through four, Paul spoke about how this earthly body suffers and groans now, but because it is a body, because it is flesh and blood, Suffering under the effects of sin. You know, there's nothing we can do about that until such time as Jesus calls us home. So it's a heavenly body of which our spirit and our soul passionately desire. 
Now the third thing we saw is the new clothing is available only in the presence of God. The new body, the new clothing that we talked about last week, you know, we can only receive that. It is only available in the presence of God. So though our flesh desires to remain in this body, our spirit prefers to be absent from the body and be present with the Lord. And Paul was clear on that. So death is the separation of the spirit and the soul from the body. Now the question is, what will happen? What will happen when that event that we call death does occur? Verse 10 here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 gives us insight on just what will happen when the spirit man separates from the body and we experience what we call death. For the child of God, we're going to break this down into two things. We're going to break it down for the saved person and for the lost person. So, we must all, Paul says, 2 Corinthians 5.10, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone, everyone may receive the things done in this body according to that he hath done, rather it be good or rather it be bad. So let's begin with life after death for the saved. What is in store for Gene Hazel when I draw that final breath and the spirit is exhausted from this body? What is going to happen to me? What is going to happen to you? See, we as children of God should not fear death. We as children of God, you know, Paul said, you know, hey, we look forward to being with God. We look forward to being out of this old earthly tabernacle that is susceptible to, 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 to sin and to disease and all of these other things. Our spirit longs to be back with God who breathed into man the breath of life. So there, there will be a price to be paid. We got to understand this, children of God. There will be a price to be paid for the sins we commit as children of God. If there's one thing that I feel has done more harm to Baptist, we are one, so I can talk about this. If there's one thing that I think that has caused Baptist to be less faithful in our commitment to the Lord, now stick with me here, because some of you may fall out when I say this. It is our belief in once saved, always saved. Now you say, what in the world do you mean by that? First of all, I do believe in once saved, always saved. Okay? Get that out of the way. But here's the thing. What happens many times is, you know, because some believe in once saved, always saved, that mentality tends to cause some to get complacent in their walk with the Lord. In other words, their attitude is, you know, well, I'm saved, I'm sealed, I should be satisfied because I'm going to heaven. And that mentality will cause some not to be fully committed to Christ. That will cause some to say, well, I'm going to heaven anyway, so why go through all the the sacrifice that I'm going to have to make in order to be faithful to Christ, you know? Again, I believe in once saved, always saved. But folks, we can't let that mentality cause us to be unfaithful to God. In many, that is what has happened. 
But throughout Paul's writings, we're told that after death, there is going to be a day of reckoning for all, both saved and lost. So what will happen when one draws that final breath in this old fleshly body? What is going to happen when you draw your final breath? What is going to happen when I draw my final breath? When the eyes of this fleshly body are closed for the last time, and the spirit is exhausted, okay, from these lungs, our soul will be immediately returned to the Lord. Okay? So when you draw your final breath, and that spirit is exhausted from your lungs, if you're saved, your spirit man, your soul is going directly to heaven. Directly to heaven. You see, though Paul was pretty clear in the passages that we looked at last week, you know, as he said in uh, verses 8, you know, I, I say and prefer rather to be absent from the body and at home with the Lord. There's many other passages that assures us as children of God that to be absent from this body is going to be present with the Lord. Uh Look at Luke chapter 23. Look at Luke chapter 23. Jesus assured the thief on the cross this very promise. You probably don't need to turn there, but do it anyway if you want to, because we all know this story. As Jesus was hanging on the cross, Jesus himself facing, drawing that last breath and that spirit being exhausted from his body. You know, as Jesus was hanging there, there was a thief on either side of Jesus. You know, one began to curse Jesus. Say, if you're really who you say you are, get us down from this cross. The other looked at him and said, Lord, remember me when you enter your kingdom. That was his sinner's prayer. And if you remember Jesus' words, here's what Jesus said to him in Luke 23, 43. Verily, verily. I say unto you, today you will be with me in paradise. Did Jesus say, when I return for the rapture, you'll be with me in paradise? Did Jesus say, give me some time to think about it, and maybe I'll bring you up there? No, Jesus said, dude, this is East Texas talk. When you draw that final breath, when I draw my final breath, we're both going to be in the presence of the Father. Folks, that is assurance for us who knows Jesus Christ. Now, verily, what does verily mean? Verily means true. It is a Greek word that simply means amen or of a truth or most assuredly or so let it be. So Jesus was giving this thief on the cross assurance. Okay, assurance that when he drew his final breath, he was going to join Jesus in heaven. Folks, what more do we need than that? Another story that you're familiar with is Lazarus, okay? And, you know, Lazarus at death opened his eyes in Abraham's bosom. Flip back to Luke chapter 16, verse 22. Luke, uh, Abraham, you remember uh, Isaac, you know, I, I mean, excuse me. You remember uh, Lazarus. Lazarus was that poor beggar who went to the gate of the rich man every day and just begged for, the, begged for food. He, he said, just give me the crumbs that fall from your table. When you eat your old cat head biscuits and you got some uh, crumbs that fall there, just throw them crumbs out because I'm starving. I have nothing to eat. And the rich man wouldn't even give him the crumbs uh, off his 
table. They both died, we're told. Lazarus died. The rich man died. And we're told in Luke chapter 16, verse 22, it came to pass that the beggar died and, look at that, was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. Immediately, when he closed his eyes, he drew that last breath, that spirit was exhausted from his lungs. Immediately, we see Lazarus in heaven in the bosom of Father Abraham. Notice that at the moment of death, the moment of death, those angels was waiting to escort, uh, uh, escort the spirit of Lazarus into paradise. And you know what? Abraham was waiting there with open arms. Folks, that's the same way it is when we're facing death. You know, the angels are just waiting for us to draw that final breath, to exhaust that spirit. And they're there to take our spirit straight to heaven to be with God forevermore. Now, is that something to fear? Is that something to not look forward to? No. That's why Paul said time and again, you know, I'd rather be absent from this body so that I can be present with the Lord. Nothing to fear. Nothing to fear. At the stoning of Stephen, you know that story too, you know. He saw Jesus waiting to welcome him in as the stones began to fall upon Stephen. You know, they say, it says there in Acts 7, you know, they stoned Stephen calling upon the Lord and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Again, they were stoning him. They were killing him. And he looked up and he said, I see Jesus standing at the Father's right hand. And as those stones begin to, 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 to fall upon him, as those stones, be, uh, stones began to beat him in the head, as the blood began running down his face, and as that final stone that hit him in the head took his life, and that spirit man was exhausted, it was expelled from his lungs, that old fleshly body lay lifeless in the dirt. Why? Because the spirit man had left. The body lay lifeless in the sand and you know what his spirit was immediately with the lord why because when he drew that last breath he knew jesus christ as his personal savior and he went to be with the lord these scriptures folks should remove all doubt that to be absent from this fleshly body you know is to be present with the lord now next thing we see here so our spirit is in heaven but what about this body? I mean, what, what about this eternal body that we're promised? So right now, we draw our last breath. We're in heaven. Our soul will then wait in heaven to be reunited with the eternal body it will receive at the rapture of the church. Turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, if you would. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Yes, the spirit man of the thief on the cross, the spirit man of Lazarus, the spirit man of, the, uh, of that beggar, the spirit man, you know, of, of, uh, of every saved person who has ever died is in the presence of the Lord at this time in eternal rest and comfort just waiting to be reunited with that eternal body that God has promised to us. Paul spoke of this in Ephesians, I mean, 1 Thessalonians 4. Here's what he said. I would not have you be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. Now, we're going to come back to that word asleep in just a moment. 
If you have a different translation, it will say who have died. That you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent or go before them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ are going to rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever, ever, ever be with the Lord. Now, let's slice this passage up just a little Because sometimes we just read over this passage and we say, yeah, that's talking about the rapture. One day we're going to be raptured up, la-di-da-da. Look, the body is considered asleep. We're talking here still about the saved people. The body is considered asleep because it no longer possesses the spirit that gave it life. Okay, so again, once that spirit is exhausted from this body, the body is what Jesus refers to as simply asleep, okay? Look, some think this passage is speaking of the spirit of the soul of a person sleeping until, you know, the return of Christ. But the spirit and the soul are life. That is what's life. They are in heaven. It's making reference to the body that's laying dormant until sometime, until at a time it is awakened by this shout and by this trumpet of God. Look, believers... Don't miss this. Believers are laid to sleep by Jesus and will be awakened from sleep by Jesus when he comes to rapture his church. Just like we lay a baby to sleep at night, okay? And the next morning we come in to wake up that baby. Folks, for the child of God, we are laid to sleep by Jesus, awaiting for him to come that next morning. And wake us up from our sleep. Talking again about this old body. It's not the disembodied souls that are spoken of here. The reference is to our sleeping bodies that are put back into the grave. Now what will happen at the rapture of the church is Christ's experience and his own resurrection is repeated in our, the believer's resurrection as our bodies are awakened from the sleep that we are in. And as he died... And then he rose again, so believers will die, and we will rise again when he calls. But notice that in the case of Jesus, the term death is used, but when speaking about believers, the term sleep is used. Stop and think about that for a moment. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 15, it says, For I deliver unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died. Hmm. That he died for our sins according to the scripture. Then when you get down to verse 6, it says, After that, he was seen above 500 brethren at once. Okay? Of whom the greater part remain uh, unto this present time. But some are fallen asleep. Now, if you'll notice in verse 3, it refers to Christ as dying. But in verse 6, it refers to the saints who died as asleep. Okay? 
So listen, the point is this. For us as children of God, there really is no such thing as death. It's simply the body going to sleep until such time that Jesus awakens us with a brand new body at the rapture of the church. You see, why, why, why you die or death for Christ but sleep for those who are in Christ? Here's the reason. For those who are in Christ, those of us who are saved, it's sleep because the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ defeated death, hell, and the grave. And it took the sting of death away. So, yes, Jesus died. And when he did, he took the sting of death away. Now, for the believers, it's not death. It's sleep. It's sleep. We lay down, awaiting for the Lord to awaken us that next day. What assurance for you and me to know that Christ is our, is our Savior. The same hand that, that, that shall raise us is the same hand that lays us to sleep. Now... What, our, what will our spirit man be doing while we're in heaven until the rapture of the church? What will the spirit man be doing until the soul returns to Jesus and receives that new eternal body? I have no idea. I wish I did. I have no idea. The Bible doesn't give us insight to that other than the fact that uh, Lazarus was in comfort. Okay? He wasn't going hungry anymore. Okay? He was in comfort. He was in peace. But he was active, okay? He was active. So we are going to be active in some way. You know, but I do know that our soul and our spirit will not lay dormant asleep or in some holding cell until God decides to reunite us with that body. That is evident, again, by the story of Lazarus and the rich man. However, I think some worship is going to be taking place. I do think there's going to be worship taking place and probably a lot of it. And because we know <clears throat> that with the Lord a thousand years is one day and one day is a thousand years, we can't just say, well, that's going to be a long time. It could happen that quick. Okay, that quick. So once we receive our internal body, eternal body following the rapture, we will then appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Again, we're talking here about the saved. So let's kind of recap here. For the saved, when we draw that final breath and our spirit man is exhausted from these lungs, our spirit man, our soul, they're used simultaneously uh, there. You know, our spirit man will go to heaven awaiting that day that it's going to return with Jesus at the rapture of the church. And at the sounding of that trumpet, the bodies that are asleep are going to be resurrected into a new celestial body and reunited with our spirit man. Now, once that event takes place, the rapture of the church, the next thing that we see here, you know, uh, for the child of God on this uh, prophetic calendar after the rapture is what is called the Bema Seat Judgment of Christ. That's what we see in our text this morning, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in this body according as he hath done, whether it be good or bad. This is a judgment for believers only. 
And it's not a judgment to determine whether you're going to get into heaven or not. You're already there. It's a judgment of rewards to reward us for our faithfulness and obedience from the time we were saved until the time our bodies went to sleep. That's why it's so important. That's why you hear me hound so much on obedience, 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 commitment, commitment, commitment. Because once we die and the rapture takes place, folks, that next event is going to be me standing before that judgment seat of Christ. To answer to him for how I lived my life from the day I was saved to the day my body was laid asleep. That's what I'm going to answer to him for. You see, this judgment of rewards is not a judgment to determine heaven or hell. So if you're at this judgment, if your body was resurrected at the sounding of the trumpet, then you've made it to heaven. But now, what will your rewards be? How many rewards will you receive to lay at the feet of Jesus Christ? Now let's take a look now life of life after death for the lost. Okay, so we see what I'm about to save. We draw that last breath. Our spirit man goes to be with Jesus until such time Jesus returns to rapture the church. That trumpet's going to sound. The bodies are going to be resurrected from their sleep with celestial body. And we're going back up for the Bema Seat judgment. Now, what about the lost after death? You know, now I'm using the term life after death for the lost because it's important to understand that the soul of the lost person does not die too. Okay. The soul, the spirit man for everyone was created eternal. And lost or saved, this spirit man is going to live eternal. So there is life after death for the lost person. But the question is, where is that at? Where is that at? Uh, look at here. When the eyes of this fleshly body close... For the last time, we're talking about the lost person. The spirit is exhausted from the lungs. The soul of a lost man, the soul of a lost woman, will immediately, you know, just like with the saved, they're going to immediately go to heaven, will immediately go to what is known as hell. As hell. A place, the Bible says, that burns with fire and brimstone. Look, look, look again at the story of the rich man and Lazarus. Remember, Lazarus died. He drew that final breath. Immediately, he was in the arms of Abraham, right? In that same story, it says the rich man also died and his body buried. Okay? And in hell, he lifted up his eyes. In hell, he lifted up his eyes. And don't miss this. Being in torment and seeth Abraham afar off with Lazarus in his bosom. Can you imagine this? As the rich man's spirit was in hell, in torment, the first thing he done was looked up, and what was the first thing he saw? That old beggar of whom he wouldn't even give scraps to in a place called paradise, in the arms of Abraham, being comforted and having everything that he needs. Let's talk about that just for a moment. 
Notice a couple of things. At death, the rich man opened his spiritual eyes, being in torment. Okay, so just as with the death of Lazarus immediately opened his eyes in the bosom of Abraham, you know, this rich man, who was not a godly man, would be what we call lost, was in hell, in torment, in torment. Now, let's notice a couple of things here. First of all, this rich man was fully conscious. Don't miss this. Some people teach annihilation, annihilation. Annihilation simply means that the soul goes to hell and it's burned up. It's annihilated. Folks, does it look like this man experienced annihilation? No. He was in torment. He was able to look up. He was able to see Abraham. He was able to see that that, that beggar, that Lazarus, in comfort, in peace. Don't you know that would be torment in and of itself? Okay? So the second thing there is, this rich man still had his memory. Don't miss this. He still had his memory of earthly things where there's no mention of Lazarus remembering anything that happened to him on earth, whether it was good or whether it was bad, nor was he able to see the rich man in hell. Okay? Nor was he, talking about Lazarus, able to hear the cries of the rich man the only one mentioned of being able to see across that gulf was Abraham. The only one mentioned of being able to hear the cries of that rich man in hell was Abraham. Lazarus had no memory of that rich man. He had no memory of the good or bad things that had happened to him. Why? Because he was in heaven. He was in heaven. But the one in hell had his memory. Let me tell you something. It began going through his mind. That's the dude I wouldn't even throw crumbs to. And now look at him. And now look at me burning in these flames. So not only was this rich man feeling pain, his eyes were able to see past this fixed gulf uh, that separated paradise from hell. And this man in torment uh, continued to cry out for mercy. Yet it was too late at this time, to receive the mercy of God. Folks, listen, once that spirit man is exhausted from the lungs of this body, it's too late. It's too late. Why? Because immediately it's going to heaven or it's going to hell. And if you'll remember the story, Abraham said, look, those who are there can't come here and those who are here can't go there. So all hope is gone at that point. He uh, then begins remembering, wait a minute, I got five brothers at the house and they're just as bad as I am. And he began to cry out for mercy, you know, for his family, knowing that they too was going to end up in this horrible place because they too were not godly men. And I believe verses 27 through 29 are very disturbing because here's what it says. Then he said, I pray thee, Father, that thou would ascend him, talking about Lazarus, that you will send him to my father's house. He said, I got five brothers there at my father's house. And Lazarus could warn them about this place that I'm in. Lazarus would tell them about the torment that I'm in. Lazarus could tell them to get their heart right with God, get their life right with God, so they do not have to come to this place of torment. Abraham's response to him was, they have Moses, they have the prophets telling them they don't need Lazarus 
In fact, Abraham went further to say, if they're not going to hear them prophets, they're not going to believe one that rose from the dead. He said, let them listen to my prophets. Let them listen to the preachers. Let them listen to what Moses has to say. Now, I said this is disturbing to me. Because outside his referring to hell as a place of torment is the fact that Abraham told him if they refuse to listen to accept the words of his prophets, that they too was going to end up in this terrible place. Now, let me ask the question. What will you do today with the words you're hearing from this preacher? Because that's what Abraham was saying. They've got the preachers there. The preachers are preaching my word. Let them hear the preachers. And if they refuse to hear the preachers, then they're going to end up in that terrible place you're in. You're hearing the message this morning from this messenger of God. The question is, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? Are you going to do like the rich man and just wave it off and say that's just that old-fashioned religion? Or are you going to take it to heart and realize that hell, hell is real, that heaven is real? And once you draw that final breath, one of those two places is your destination. One of those two places is your destination. The good thing about that is you have the choice which it's going to be. You know, God didn't just at one time sit up there on his throne and say, okay, well, uh, Gene can be saved, but Tim can't be saved. You know, Doc can be saved, but Pam can't be saved. God did not do that. I don't care what Calvinism teaches. God gives each one of us a free will. And this morning, this morning, if you're not for sure that when you take that last breath, that you're going to be like Lazarus and immediately go to heaven. Then you need to get that right this morning. You need to get that right this morning by asking Jesus Christ to, to come into your heart and be your soul. So along with the torment of the flames, the torment of being able to see Lazarus in paradise, still possessing his memory of all the bad things he had done, especially toward Lazarus. He wouldn't even give him the scraps off his table. Now he had to deal with the fact that he's got five brothers that's going to end up in this same place. Please, please, Abraham, let Lazarus go back and warn him. Again, what did Abraham say? Those who are there are there. Those who are here are here. Neither can leave the place they're in. His spirit man was in torment. So what does all this tell us about death? In concluding, here's what it tells us about death this morning. Everyone is going to experience death. Every one of us here this morning. Okay, is going to experience death. Again, the separation of our spirit man from this body. If there's anything we got in common in this life, it's that one thing. Second thing is, everyone is going to find their soul in one of two places. For the saved, 
just like every instance we looked at, Stephen and uh, Lazarus and, and you know, uh, all the others the, uh, you know, that we looked at this morning who, when they closed their eyes, the thief on the cross, they was in the presence of heaven. So everyone, the saved, is going to be with Jesus. The lost is going to end up in hell with the wicked. The third thing we see here through all this is whichever place you find yourself in, your soul is going to be fully conscious and aware of what's happening around you. No such thing as annihilation, folks. Anyone who teaches that, you need to disregard their teaching. Whichever place you find yourself in, you're going to be fully aware of your surroundings. And the final thing is everyone, lost or saved, will experience a resurrection of the body. However, however, one will be a resurrection to eternal life with Christ in a place he's gone away to prepare for us, for the saved. The other, a resurrection into everlasting punishment for those who refuse to accept the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made on the cross of Calvary. Now I'm going to close with a confusing thought. Remember last week I told you I was going to leave you in a cliffhanger. I know all of us hate them movies that are cliffhangers because you've got to tune in the next week, okay? But let me make a statement in closing here. Some think that those that are in hell at this time will remain there forever. Those that are in hell right now today, just like this rich man, some think that they're going to lay there or be there and remain there forever. But that's not the case. Every soul that is in hell today will one day receive a new body and go to heaven. That sounds good, doesn't it? But we will have to leave that up till next week to find out what happens when they get to heaven. Okay? We're going to leave you with that. Maybe it'll entice you to be back next week. But yes, every soul that is in hell today is one day going to receive a new body just like the Christians do and they're going to be brought up to heaven just like we was at the rapture. But there's an event going to take place after that and we'll see where the lost wind up. But the question for you today is, do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Do you have the assurance that the thief on the cross had that he would go to be with Jesus? Do you have the assurance that Stephen had that he would go to be with Jesus? Do you have the assurance that Lazarus had that he would go to be with Jesus? If not, we're going to have a song of invitation here in just a moment. And you need to come this morning. Let us get you uh, to the cross of Calvary. Let us get you saved so that you can have the same, same assurance that I have that when this body goes to sleep, my spirit man is going to be in heaven with Jesus Christ where I'm going to await my new body and forever be with Christ. Let's pray.